Okay, redo. <laughs> quick redo, quick redo. All right, so back to the top again. So, hi, welcome to Do Let's Make a Podcast. The podcast I made so I have an excuse to talk to people while keeping us on task and not wandering to random bullshit. Today, we're going to be talking about Legend of Korra, Season 1 and Season 2. So, quick round of introductions again because we had some technical difficulties earlier. So, Rauf, you're up again for the first time again. Yep. All right, so Ralph back again for another podcast. Uh, this time, like Jahan said, we're doing Legend of Korra. Uh, said this earlier, but <laughs> since we're doing this, I'll repeat it again. Uh, I have a better memory of Korra than I do of Ang, so there'll be a lot more talking points from me regarding this topic. So yeah, excited for that. Yeah. Cool, Sarah. And hi, I'm back again as well. Uh, super excited about Korra because I remember being very excited when the episodes were coming out one by one and now I'm excited to talk about it. Okay, yeah. Leah, sorry, once more. No worries, I'm Leah. This is my first podcast. I'm super excited about Legend of Korra. Um, I watched it for the first time a few months ago, I realized, oh. and then I've rewatched season one and two. Yeah, so it's really fresh in my mind. Okay, interesting. Okay. All right, so for any, for any viewers who are listening, first up, I don't know how you found this, but thank you for being here. Uh, so secondly, we're talking about Legend of Korra, the sequel to the critically acclaimed Avatar Legend of Aang. Now, Korra is a very interesting show. It's very different, and it's got a very interesting production history. If I'm not mistaken, I think Korra came out like five or six years after the initial, the first Legend of Aang. And it's a very, very different show, which I think is one reason why we're all excited to talk about it. So we can go in so many different directions here. We can go, we can start talking about characters, world building, you know, comparing to Legend of Aang and, you know, so on and so forth. Anyone, I don't know where you guys want to start with. Oof. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty broad. <laughs> There's a lot of things to talk about. Do you want to talk about, uh, like, the, the, the in, like, introducing Legend of Korra to someone who's never watched it before? Like, where does it take place? And like... Sure, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> So go ahead, thanks. So it takes place. Like a Korra, so it is this like what, your pitch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love I love online calls. You keep interrupting one another. Okay, let let let's have let's have Ralph go since he's so easy, so rare to go. Ralph, bring us into the world of Korra. No, I'm questioning like, what is this? Is this like a pitch to get people to watch Legend of Korra? Is that what she's asking us to do? Okay, okay. I'll help, I'll help, I'll help. No. Okay, dear, okay, dear listener, if you've, never, if you've never watched the show, Legend of Korra is the sequel to the, to the, to the last airbender, Avatar, Avatar, right? And what's very interesting about it as a sequel is that it does not take place directly after the original series. It takes place quite a good deal of time later. If I remember correctly, it takes place about 70 to 80 years later. Now, what's really interesting for this as a sequel show, right, is that it, the, even though it's not that large a span of time, there has been a tremendous of change to the world and what we were left it in, in Legend of Aang, compared to where we started in Legend of Korra. Like, mainly, the Industrial Revolution has taken place. And Korra itself takes place in an entirely new city that wasn't present in Legend of Aang. That's called Republic City. And it's a very interesting location, because in Legend of Aang, you, there, was, there was a big division between the four nations. And now in this new show, there's still division among the people. People inevitably always find a way to turn themselves against one another, but it's no longer divided along the lines of nations. So that's sort of a quick, rough introduction to Legend of Korra. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's so a good introduction, we're... right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was what he was asking for. Yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, okay, okay. Okay, then what? Let's, let's, just, let's just jump straight into it. Let's talk about characters and to start off with. 
let's talk about the main one itself, Cora. Rauf, what do you think? You, you look like you have a lot of thoughts. She had the most badass introduction of an avatar ever. Yeah. You know, yeah. as baby Cora, yeah. she's just like, I'm the avatar. You gotta deal with it. And then the next thing you know, she's like firebending, like in, in doing training and stuff, taking on three on one. And I was like, okay. I have the feeling that she's gonna be a very aggressive and powerful avatar, and yep, that that was a a very good introduction on setting the the tone of the character for Korra very early on, you know. For Aang, it was more of yeah, we just had to like wait for him to get out of the ice cube, like the ice ball, and then like slowly, slowly, oh okay, this is we're getting to know Aang slowly. But this was just a boom. This is how Korra is like. Deal with it, you know. Yeah, I think that that started actually from when she just burst through the wall of her igloo, right? When and like, yeah, that's I right. don't know, earthbended, yeah. uh, like earthbended as a how old? Oh, I, I don't know. She looked like she was eight. <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, this burst through the wall. Yeah, yeah, I, I love I love Cora's introduction. Like like just the, the way that she's brought in, like right with with just that like that that amount of sheer fucking confidence she has as a child. <laughs> it already mm. differentiates her so much from Aang, who's so unsure about so much he's doing. And like this is the difference is like she immediately embraced wanting to be the avatar and having all that power compared to Aang where he was like, I don't want this power. I don't wanna have control over the world and stuff. And she was just immediately like, I can do it, I'm gonna crush it and went all for it. What do you think, Leah, about about about, about like a first <laughs> impressions? I yeah, I also thought it was like a powerful entrance to honestly enter the series more like an earthbender like it just reminded yes. me of Toph just like how she's just like I'm here deal with it um and then that's <laughs> right scene, <laughs> the first scene of the whole show maybe I'm biased I think that was her best fight scene we saw the entire series <laughs> but I think that's a later discussion point but I was just like what she's gonna be like this like badass she's super confident super abrasive I was, I was like I don't think we would be friends if, <laughs> but she was just like so headstrong i was just like okay yeah no she's here so to be because most of the last airbender i think two seasons were ang finding himself yes and just trying to learn all mm. the all the different elements so mm. Yeah, I, I I agree. Like, I, I think that's an interesting point as well. That like, in in some ways, like the way she's introduced, it doesn't feel too strange because it feels like it's sort of carrying off from Aang, right? Like, mm. like the whole first book's focus is Aang. Like, that was the one element we never got to see Aang learn. So, in some ways, it sort of feels like a continuation from that, showing us this sort of natural cycle that we that we missed out on. But but you're mm. absolutely right. They, 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 in in so many other ways, right? Like, she's just completely different from Aang. Like, you know, and I, I think I think as well that was the point of her intro. You know. That like the show's creators, I think, were very, very smart about like you know that we want this show to be different. We want this show to be something that's um, the spiritual successor, you know, not a sequel, but a successor. And they really showed that off already in that first two three minutes with the intro. And yeah, that was that was fucking awesome. I, I love as well that like another another thing about Cora, like as she's introduced, right? Because um, I, I think I take like the whole movie first like ten minutes as her introduction, you know, all the way to the Republic City, and mm-hmm. like. She's like monstrously strong, which is awesome to see. Yeah, <laughs> like like she's like lifting up like 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 grown men like one handed and things like that. Mm. That's awesome to see throughout the series. She's not just strong in her bending; it's like her physical yeah, prowess physical itself is like wow. Okay, 
and another thing I noticed as well about her, like like in terms of like combat, right, is that she's she's trained in martial arts in a way, whereas like Ang was not. Like Ang was always like evading, jumping around, things like that. But she actually can do hand to hand combat in some in some circumstances. I know I know Leia has issue with that statement. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I mean I remember not to like jump ahead. There was one episode. I think her and Asami were just like holding the like the Muay Thai pads, mm-hmm. and some of her style of bending is just like kickboxing and things mixed in. Mm-hmm. So it's just very yeah, it's just aggressive and for exactly <laughs> a lot of punching and kicking mixed into her bending. Whereas far, as far as I feel like Ain was more like spinning and like throwing air, and she's mm-hmm. like throwing punches with fire or whatever. Yeah, even even in like season two when she's airbending, she airbends with punches. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it goes back to like fighting styles as well. Because I think we covered this in the previous uh the previous podcast where all the different bendings had their own different fighting styles. And for A, it was more of like going with the flow of things, you know, deflecting and just going around everything. And for like Cora is like she's a water bender, yes, but like the the first thing that she bended in the episode was like earth you know so it shows like she's really like in your face kind of bending so yeah. I, I think it's like the different styles of it also affects like for Korra so it's like more aggressive than yeah. yeah but I also feel like her when she entered pro bending that style of like because you need to send it as fast as you can so she just like mm-hmm. that's the quickest way of getting the element across so maybe that influenced everything else since pro bending came first. Actually, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I, need, I, need, I need to go back and watch, but yeah, you might be right that her style might have changed like after pro bending. Yeah, because okay, you mentioned pro bending, I was like, oh, okay, I was thinking when are we going to get to pro bending and it's now, I guess. <laughs> dude, go, you know? dude, go ahead, take, take it over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it's exactly. like when uh, Bolin was showing Korra around in the gym, after like the first pro bending match and stuff, he was like, oh, good form and stuff, but you know, you got to keep light on your toes and stuff like this. It's, she's been learning the traditional, I would say traditional way of bending the different elements, but then now she's in Republic City and she has to learn the modern way of bending in pro bending, you know? So I think that's like a totally different style that she had to learn, but I think it was so great for her because if you think about it, if like we saw when Cora used the traditional bending, traditional water bending, I, I would say, uh, mm. in the match itself, it left her wide open. And so, like, all the other opponents or on the opponent's team could, like, just aim and just whack her until she was, like, out of the ring and stuff. So, mm. yeah, I think it's it's an interesting change of fighting styles uh, for for Korra or so. Yeah. Sarah, I, I, know, I know you were some thoughts on pro bending as well. Uh, I just want to bring up, like, in, like, the interesting fact about uh, the different elements of martial arts that, well, it was in the first uh, airbender? Mm. I guess it kind of applies now. So, um, waterbending was based off Tai Chi. So, mm-hmm. I guess there's mm-hmm. a lot of like directing the flow as, uh, no, directing the energy and the flow as compared to pushing it directly back. And then, whereas like firebending and the earthbending styles were more like grounded and I can't remember the name. I know the the the, the fire bending style was like Shaolin or something, was was more like more aggressive than Panzer Sekigas. And then Ang's air bending is from the this like I think Pa Kwa. So it's it's kind of it kind of translates to like 
eight-pointed circle where the flow mm. is just directed in circles. Oh, literally, that makes just, literally, no. Yeah, literally, it's just circles and yeah, circles no. and circles. Mm. I was Googling all this is because I wanted to do like a chor- choreography based on the four elements and I was like, oh no, it's too much information. Nice. I, can't. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot were do you, it. Were you trying to translate translate uh, a avatar, avatar fight moves into pole, into pole dancing choreography? Uh, I saw a YouTube video of a girl doing it and I was like, I think I can do it better. But then I did the research and I was like, no, I cannot. <laughs> it's really a lot of things to do. But but so yeah, so so um the the angs or airbending style is also about like energy transference, but it's very, very circular. It's never like coming coming to you and pushing it directly back. It's like circle, 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 circle. And then the footwork is literally like one octagon. Yeah, so and then you pass forward to, to core, and, core and pro bending and it's just evolved into full-on uh, MMA. Yeah, it's just, it's just full-on punches and kicks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like more direct in that sense, which fits her personality. So. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> I just had to throw that in. Yeah, pro, pro, pro bending for me was like such an interesting addition into the world because it was like, whoa. Yeah, we've never seen anything like this in like The Legend of Aang, you know? They never use their bending for sports. And now in the modern world, we see them doing that. I thought it was, oh, this is such a cool concept. And I, I really wish that they, they had done more than just season one and season two of uh, Pro Bending. Which I think was only yeah. heavy in season one. Season two was yeah. Bolin and a few other replacements. Yeah, <sighs> and, then, oh, well, and, and then the, the, the what do you call it? The, the arena got shut down anyway. <laughs> right. Oh, was out. it? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought they, they remade it afterwards because they had the premiere for like yeah, yeah, yeah. the premiere for the there. Yes. Oh man, yep. I thought the pro the pro bending was super cool too. Because it shows like the advancement of life. It's like people no longer just had to use bending mm. to like survive mm. and protect yeah. their families. Like now you can have sports and entertainment, like the people who are like athletic and whatnot. And I thought the game's just really cool too. The way mm. if you got hit, you have to like go back and like that'd be mm. a really fun. Yeah. It's like dodgeball. Mm. It's like different yeah, like like from from like a like a world building production standpoint, they put a lot of thought into how this works and like and like what the rules are and things like that. Yeah, the rules and, and regulations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they mm. actually came out with a spot that work that is like fully regulated and mm. would work in a in a in a. Yeah, like, oh my god, coming from, like, a sporting background, I know how difficult it is to get a sport, like, from casual to, like, professional regulated Olympic status. The rule book, the rule book must be, like, this thick. No, but, okay, like, I've been following um climbing as it's trying to get into the Olympics, super regulated to, like, the smallest details. So, the fact that they managed to come up with, like, a an, an actual sport for a cartoon <laughs> is amazing. Mm. So I, I should I should tell you Leah, right? Like um like in, in my phone I've got I've got Sarah saved like her contact name is either Amazon or Avatar because she's quite literally I think like like the fittest person I know. <laughs> like like she like That's I don't know awesome. even though she used to be like, like a national level climber now she's like a pole dancing instructor and I used to fight yeah. against her in my saber class and all that. She's incredibly fit. She would just like come bring it down and <clears throat> That's not awesome. anymore. Did you <laughs> not anymore. Boulder? I didn't know there was climbing in Singapore. Yeah, there was. I yeah. The I actually a lot bigger. Yeah, it's really big where I live here because of all the mountains. 
and people so there are a lot of climbing gyms to like boulder and whatnot over here not now because we have eight million COVID cases (laughs) um so we're inside but yeah (laughs) that's awesome so yeah, cutting back, yeah, I agree. Like, 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 I love how much they fleshed out everything, like you know, providing all that. And I think, like, what, like what you said, Leah, like it's so interesting to see that, like, um, how peacetime has changed the evolution of how things are used, right? Like, I think even apart from like you see bending used as a sport, if I'm not mistaken, I think one point in season one, like Marco gets a job as like an electricity generator, <laughs> just yeah, it's <laughs> so interesting so to see how benders are using their their powers to like. To do the things that we usually see every day and like take for granted. Exactly, and hey, it's so when that happened. Evolution season one, like like he had to get a job. He was trying to pay for the the firefighters entry into the tournament. Yeah. Okay, remember when uh, Asami hit him with her motorcycle? He was leaving the factory. Yeah. Yeah, that okay, was the factory. Maybe, that maybe, was okay, okay maybe maybe I wasn't paying attention because of three. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that that evolution is really really interesting to see. Uh, okay. Let's go. Let's go to a slightly different character now. Let's talk about Marco because yeah, I've got strong, I've got strong words for him. Like yeah, Jahan, you got strong words for Marco, man. Get 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 going, man. Get going. Holy fuck! Like he's horrible. He's just horrible. Like it's it's season one. He like like you know he he dates Asami knowing that he's he he still likes Cora. You know he doesn't sort himself out. And then in season two, when Cora gets her memory back, he doesn't tell her about the breakup and all that. Like like yeah, God, that was such a dick move, man. It was such a dick move. Oh, come on, Jai, get it out, get it out, let it out. <laughs> I just get so frustrated. Like, like on one hand, okay, he's he, he's a pretty decent older brother. Like, like you know, honestly, he is. But like, come on, man. Come on. I would say in Marco's sort, as but also not really defense. He's pro. He's like what, eighteen? Eighteen, right? When yeah, he I first... think so. I think all like yeah, around Yeah. I mean, he's gonna make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm not defending him, but it can be like due to his, due to their age, you know, mm-hmm. they're just kind of like, oh my god, I'm like gonna like falling for every single person who's close to them. And okay, like, but but twice not, and then one no, yeah, 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 and then then not knowing how to deal with it, it's part of growing up. Then not knowing how to deal with it and then growing up, yeah, it's part of it. But it was really annoying to watch. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I had to talk about like that whole love triangle thing between Cora, uh, Cora Bolin and Marco. I was like, <laughs> that really messed up. Also, like their pro bending ability and stuff. I was like, okay, okay, this is where it's going now. That one episode, right, where Cora mm-hmm. went out with Bolin, is it that one? Yep, yep, that's the one. I thought they were a cute couple. I, well, my thoughts on Marco. I mean. I didn't really like him, not because of that, shockingly. I just thought he was always, like, you know, they made him this, like, the moody teenager, kind of, like, yes, you go yes. a little bit. But, Handsome like, and moody. Like, so, yeah, angsty. Nah. And I was just like, they would have been an awful couple anyway, <laughs> and they were. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought when I look at him at the front, he was a really good protective friend. But like as a lover, um, yeah, no, he was awful. I I can't defend being with someone so, when you know you like someone else, and then trying to stop someone else who likes them from being with that person. So if you can't have her, no one can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 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 just now when you said like you think they're a cute couple, you're talking about Cora and uh, Bolin, is it? Yeah. 
they yes, just were so happy go lucky yes. and fun loving and yes just light mm. oh i i really wish they'd be given a shot like like, like the two of them as characters have such good chemistry together i know who was his other bowen's other girlfriend in season one did he get because yeah. he had season two was it season two? <laughs> Yes, the I, love, okay, right, the I don't want to get ahead. I love, I love your character. <laughs> oh, That's true. My beloved turtle duck. <laughs> I just, I, I just finished watching like, like the, the, the finale about ten minutes ago, and I was laughing so hard, hard at the end where like, like, like uh, when the world's coming to an end and like Volin's fighting alongside Eska and like proclaiming his love for her and things like that. And then after it's all over, Eska was like, I was caught up in the moment. It's okay. I don't feel that way. <laughs> yeah, and Bolin was really torn up about it. I was like, oh, Bolin. <laughs> Bolin oh, is super so... sweet. He deserves, he deserves someone who loves him as much as like he can love. Yeah. yeah. My favorite line is when she's like, you entertain me. I'm taking you back. <laughs> 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 and he's just like, okay. <laughs> But Bolin oh, is, is like such a sweetie. Oh. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's, talk, let's, talk about the, let's talk about the last teenage member of the new Team Avatar, Asami. Rauf, why don't you start? She's a badass, man. She can do everything. She can fight. She can, like, she looks great. Like, she's, she can fight. She knows how to dress up. And then she's, like, a mechanic and stuff. She's down to do, like, racing and stuff. That's, that's amazing, man. Female Avatar, Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And she's obviously like, I feel the most mature of the four, I, I think. I, I, saw, I saw this Reddit post mm-hmm. that I love, which is like, uh, it had a picture of like the, like a th- Korra's team avatar, and it was like, like this team shares one brain cell and it's Asami's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's the brains of the operation, man. Definitely. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. No, she I'm was... Sorry, Yalea, go ahead. She was my favorite. Oh, no, no, you're fine. She was my favorite character. It's because, yeah, she was super mature. I don't think she did anything in season one or two that was selfish or hurtful. Yes! Like the rest of them did. Yeah. She was just a great person, mm. just trying to help everyone out. And then <laughs> she's had a poor choice <laughs> in men. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, yeah. like watching, watching back and, like, and like, like, really, like, watching it properly this time, I was so interested in like Asami and how like you know like like I mean she's at first that that stereotypical like like kind of like like pretty new girl that comes in right like you have that stereotype with other TV shows and, and stuff like that as well, but every mm-hmm. time when like she encounters that like the kind of typical choice that these kind of stereotypical characters come to she always makes the different choice like you know like when when she found out her father was helping the equalist like when I when I first watched it when I was younger I expected her to betray Team Avatar right but no she turns on yeah. her, she turns on her father instead. And, and like what you guys pointed out, she's not afraid of getting her hands dirty. She's always the one that's compassionate and you know, that's like that's there for people. It's like, yeah, she just has terrible luck. Just like terrible, terrible luck. Yeah. Actually, speak, speaking of uh, like like her luck and like the, the love triangle in general, it's been seven, eight years since I properly like rewatched Legend of Korra. Like whenever I rewatched it, I've only ever watched season three and four. I've never watched season one and two again because I just I rem- I remember I hated that love triangle. But going back and watching it now. I realized that actually it's a pretty mature love triangle as far as TV shows go. Like, you know, like, like, like the moment Korra realizes he's dating Asami, like, like, like Korra steps off, she's supportive and things like that. It's fucking Marco that keeps messing things up. Rarely do they show, like, the two women just being like, you know, you got this mm. girl. 
out like out tap out. Mm-hmm. I lost. You can still yeah. be friends. It's normally they women are supposed to be like catty, but they're yeah. Like, I really, <laughs> I really love their their relationship just from the start. They were never really like jealous of each other. But I wish that I kind of wish that um Asami had maybe some character growth or some character art development art. Aside from the father thing, yeah. Okay, when I was watching season one and season two, I, I was like, like, I was thinking myself, I remember Asami, like, she, she, she's still, like, she, she, feels, she feels so neglected in the first two seasons. You know, like, like, like the rest of them all get stuff, but, like, yeah. So, sorry, Leah, were you trying to say something? No, I was just thinking back to, like, Aang, because Asami, even though she's, like, really different, it's like Sokka. Mm-hmm. And where Sokka, like, kind of asserted himself into every situation, I felt like he spent a lot of time proving while he was useful and like working extra. She was just kind of just like, yeah, I'll sit back. Like I don't need a lot of screen time to be it's impactful true. in season mm-hmm. one and two. Like she didn't, because she wasn't really like a sort of humorous character. She was just this kind of like that's hanging true, out. And, and I think like like, you point out, like one difference with her and Sokka is that like Sokka had to feel the urge to, to like assert himself and things like that. Whereas for her, I, I feel like a kind of attitude is that like you know like like they got this, but if they don't, it's okay. I got them covered. Somehow, yeah. Uh, yeah, completely, I completely agree. Completely agree. Ah, oh, but yeah, I, I, I think, like, I do agree with Sarah. Like, like, while I do think like she's mature and like she does handle herself really well, I wish that like she had a little bit more story arc, like you know, that was herself, you know, rather than just being tied to the others. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and actually, like, so I think in terms of characters as well, right? Another thing I found really interesting about like um, Legend of Korra compared to Legend of Aang, right, is adult characters because you don't have that in Legend of Aang at all, apart from Iru. Right, they're like I mean, like like Iro, Iro, okay, Iro and Zuko had a very special special relationship that's never going to be recaptured again, and I and I appreciate that you know they, they didn't try and copy that here, but they brought in like a new kind of adult energy here with like you know with how integrated Tenzin was into the crew's lives with you know mm-hmm. then later on Aang's other kids with Lin with Lin Beifong as well, but I yeah. I just I love but I love the portrayal of of uh, Tenzin right as like like you know for the first time you see. Like when Cora has has difficulties, she's trouble dealing with stuff. She she actually has someone she can turn to for support. You know that's something that like Aang and, and the group never had. But at the same time, Tenzin is not Iro. Tenzin is full of problems. With, you know, <laughs> live up to his dad's reputation. With, yeah, you know, controlling it. It's a like lot that. of pressure on him, man. Mm. But it's super interesting to see an, an adult character that that's portrayed as both someone you can rely on, but someone that's flawed, as, as someone that's human. It's really interesting to see that. But I was, th- I was thinking like I really liked how we saw like the the next generation of uh of I, w- I would say like characters after Ang's whole group. You have like Lin Bei Fong and you have uh Su was in season three. Season three. Yeah, so there's Lin Bei Fong and then you got Tenzin and then uh Bumi Kaya and stuff like. Just seeing the next generation after that, it was, it was nice to see like that still some of like in a way like some of the the older characters live through them, you know, with like Lin Beifong being like you know just straight and then just like really a tough nut all round, just like tough, in a way, you know, and it's nice to see like Cora interacting with that and like she, like Cora's interaction first interaction with Lin Beifong was like I'm the avatar, you know, and it's like. Yeah, why are you arresting me? Like I know, like I used to know your mom or something like that, right? That was the line, you know. And, and like Lin was like, "No, I'm not giving you any of that. You, you, you just messed up the town. You're under arrest." It was really nice to see that. I, I, I love the first interaction Cora has with like, 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 like as she's leaving Lin's interrogation chamber, she's like, "I'm watching you." And yeah. Cora's like, I'm just like, like <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Lin. No, I well, speaking. Lin was such an adult and complicated 
character from for a kid's TV show, especially, well, like, getting into season three when you start to see, like, her unraveling and know more about her background. But I think they spent a lot, I think, out of all the adults, they put the most amount of time into Lynn giving her that arch, which was kind of unexpected because you would have um, thought they would have given it to, like, Tenven or something. Cause, but, yeah, I did notice it was weird just seeing him in, um, interact with his sibling. Then when he referred to, like, Aang as, like, how dare you disrespect, like, Avatar mm-hmm. Aang. I think that said, like, a lot about the relationship they had, because he was, like, the only one of the siblings that would ever call him anything other mm-hmm. than dad. And, 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 I, and, like, Avatar has always done a very good job of, like, writing siblings really well. Like, like even, like, the way, like, they wrote, like, Katara and Aang and things like that. And, like, um, and there was this moment in, like, uh, in season two where, like, like Tenzin realized he couldn't help Korra get into the spirit world. And then, like, Ka- Kaya's first reaction is, like, you know, welcome to the, to the you know, the, the disappointing dad club and things like that. Yeah. And it's, like, that's such a sibling thing to do they just kick you while you're down and all that like I would me and my sister would definitely do that to each other I love how Kaya and Bumi just pick on Tenzin like most of the time or just irritate him most of the time it's so fun to watch that yes the three of them and then when that whole when the whole family goes off on that journey even Mm -hmm. though like those are supposed to be probably filler episodes that was really entertaining (laughs) it was really nice to watch I love the whole idea of them like like you know like 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 I guess I'm coming along because I want to see what vacation Tenzin looks like. I want to meet this vacation Tenzin. What is <laughs> Yeah, he's like itinerary and everything and he's like but actually it was useful because that's how Korra found him. You know? Afterward and Tenzin was like vindicated was like and that is why you have itineraries. You know? <laughs> Which I, I kind of believe that actually. I just thought it was funny when they were looking for um the one daughter, how they had to like get down this cliff. And they're just like, oh, like, Boomy, let me help you bend down. He's like, no, I got it. And they literally let him, like, fall down, like, 75 <laughs> feet. And I was like, yeah, I would do that yes, to my brother. Exactly. I'd be like, oh, that's point. Yeah. You should have taken my help. Like, they don't save him. They just let him fall. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so well. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, yeah, the, 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 the writers there have done, are always do such a fantastic job with dialogue. Like, it's, it's something that's, that's always in their wheelhouse. Like, and, and like, even on like, Tenzin's itinerary, like, I, I love that part that, like, that, like, showcase, like, how much of a control freak Tenzin is. When Korra comes mm-hmm. back, right, and she goes in, and she goes into this, like, 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 massive, like, you know, like, verbal diarrhea of, like, you know, like, like, uh, uh, Unlock was bad, like, you know, there was the first Avatar, the Unlock's trying to become a dark god and things like that. And Tenzin's response mm-hmm. is, I knew this would happen. I knew this would happen. It's like, how do you know this is going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I but think, uh, I, but yeah, I so- think one of the reasons. Oops, sorry. You know, no, I think one of the reasons that they're so successful with dialogue is just because it's so real. It doesn't mm. feel forced, forced in yeah, any way. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't feel forced or 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 even cliche. I mean, like if people are being cliche, so maybe it's because they're being ironic or. Or the really or sarcastic, it. which is usually the case. Yes, or, sar- or completely sarcastic, mm. which is awesome. Uh, speaking of like the 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 like you know the next generation of of um <laughs> like from the the boomerang gang, <laughs> the next generation, the next next generation. I got goosebumps when General Iroh spoke, and they showed him in the oh, ending scene on the ship. I I lost it a second time when I heard him speak. It was awesome. I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. I didn't expect like, oh, his name's I. Oh, that's who he is, you know? 
It was like the big reveal. I had, I, I, I had the I had the same feeling in like season two, like when I first watched it. You know, where, where like chorus in the spirit world, and then you hear the voice, and then you see the, the silhouette in the distance of, of, of like 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 a chubby man walking forward. I was like, oh no, there's no way they're doing this. And it comes in and it's Iroh, and it's like, oh my god, they brought Iroh back. Oh, I same, same feelings. Live forever. And have if because out of anyone, he would be the one who's like, you know, I don't want to die. I'll just you know, sit with the spirits and just drink tea. Yeah. He gained like all the way back. He lost. Come visit me in the spirit <laughs> world, you know, either in this life or the next. He knows he's gonna live forever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I'm glad they brought him back in Korra, man. It was such a it was so, it was so nice to see him as well. Especially in the oh. spirit world, when since um, Tenzin couldn't go in, mm. Jinora was lost. <laughs> Can, can I just pull back for a second to just like remark on what a clever name Boomerang Gang is because they're all boomers as well. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it translates yeah, I think it was just a play on the word of like, the Boomerang yes. from uh, Sucker's Boomerang. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's deep. Yes. Yes. Yes, definitely. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the characters in, yeah. So, the characters in Korra are interesting and like, I, and I think what's really cool as well is that they, I, I mean, most of the time, apart from, I think, Bolin, most of them feel like brand new characters. You know, they don't really feel like um, like they were linked in any way. They don't feel like repeats of of ever of Aang, so, uh, Katara, and all that. They they feel very different. Like even though, for example, like Korra is quite headstrong, like what Katara is, but her headstrongness is in a completely different way. <laughs> She's way more, way more forward and way more like like in your face than Katara ever would be. But I also find it really interesting how they they try and do their best to like you know challenge stereotype or or, or build these characters in interesting ways. Like um, like I was I was texting uh, Rauf like as I was watching the series right that I was I found it so interesting how you had like a character like Cora right who in any other kind of series would be like like the the tomboy character you know the one that's not really seen as girly or whatever until they go through some transformation later on but you don't really have that with Cora like you know like throughout watching Cora like she's strong and you know she's she's very like um aggressive but I never ever feel felt like she was a tomboy that, that, that might be weird to say but that was sort of how it felt when I was rewatching this again, and uh, and and same for for Asami as well. Like she never feels like like she's like you know that that token girlfriend kind of character. She feels developed, you know, more so than what I would expect from other shows. Yeah, and that's really read like an adult show. Like when I watched it, because I just watched it like a few months ago for the first time. It's like wow, this show is so deep and complex, and the characters are really well thought yeah. out. Like I think Boomy and Bowen are like the only two characters that were directed or meant for kids because even when i was watching the last airbender like some of the dialogue and like their vocabulary and like the vernacular i was like no seven-year-old is gonna know this at least maybe not in america maybe in <laughs> singapore they do <laughs> but i was like no i was like no one's gonna pick up on this <laughs> but yeah no i think they did a really good job because he never felt like a tomboy and i really appreciate it how both of them loved how strong she was not just like mentally and personality but like physically because i feel like especially even back then because what was that mid-2000s when everyone was still wearing low-rise jeans and spaghetti straps it wasn't seen as something to be cool just be a girl that was like jacked Mm. and confident so Anyway, so tell me, let's 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 start diving in into into a little bit of that depth and a little bit of what makes like Korra so different from Aang in terms of like you know complexity and all that. So so some some interesting little bit of backstory before I start, right? So like Korra as a show had a very very troubled um, production, like with with Avatar Legend of Aang, right? Like you know they ran for one season, 
And halfway through the one season, Nickelodeon had already decided to give them funding for four seasons. But that wasn't the case with Korra. Like with Korra, like they were at first given funding for only one season. And then like at season two, season three, season four, it was always, a, uh, they never knew if they were going to come back or not. So that's actually why like Korra season one is so self-contained. Like we think about the ending of Korra season one, they could have ended the whole show there with the way it had been written up to that point. So it's interesting as well to see like, you know, how much they tried to get done with so little, you know, like um, episodes. They only had like 13 episodes, season one. But despite that, they do, they do such an impressive job of really, like, like you say, making the show more adult than Legend of Egg. But it's, so this is a fun thing, right? Usually when, like, when someone says a show is more adult, that just means more kissing, it means sex, it means like, you know, like curse words and all that. No, but Korra is more adult because it deals with things like suicide, like anarchism, you know? Like torture and all that, like mm. like yeah, th- that's how you make a show adult, you know, in in like in in the non Netflix way. So it's so interesting to see them go into into all these things, and and I find it fascinating that like even in season one and season two, like Korra's villains compared to Ang's villain, right? Like Ang's villain is Ozai, and Ozai is he's a dictator, you know. That, that, that's that's pretty much like he's just you're, 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 he's a typical evil guy who's made more awesome by the fact made more awesome mm. by the fact he's voiced mm. by Mark Hamill, right? So that's fine. But then you come season two, I'm sorry, Korra season one, and you've got Amon. And like Amon's whole Mm -hmm. point is like equality and like, like, damn, this this guy actually has a point. Like this guy actually might be on something. And and what's even more amazing, right, is when you think about it, right, Amon actually won. Because by the time season two rolls around, Republic City is no longer ruled by a council of benders. It's ruled by a democratically elected president, which wouldn't have happened without Amon. So it's crazy to think that even though Amon was a villain, he was right and he enacted more change than the Avatar. And that one side point that shows how, I guess, this differs from... I don't know if you remember Aang, The Last Airbender. They only touched bloodbending <laughs> once. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched the show. And then I remember being like, oh, that's so dark and creepy. <laughs> and then they, like, never went back. But to have, like, season one, <laughs> like, subtly revolve around bloodbending just, like, shows how much, like, darker yeah. and more mature it was. <laughs> Especially when they were younger, like that whole scene between the brothers. I mean, yeah. I rewatched that. I was like, that's really good. Yeah. Like, and, and, and even even the way they presented about like about like how like you know like like it hurts for someone to be bloodbent. Like 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 the way they showed someone bloodbent in Legend of Aang, right? It made them seem like puppets. But the way they show it in in Korra, it makes it seem like they're being tortured, like like forced into unnatural positions. And you're right, it's it's such like a a creepier twist on it, you know. Even though it was, it was introduced earlier. Yeah, I think the and, the. The, the the themes in Korra are just adult in the sense that you you need to be a bit more mature to understand them. Like there's there's scenes of people like like obviously dying like the metal, I, like the police when they were fighting Amon and then they lost at the arena. Mm. It would it's like obvious that some of them probably died in the attack. So, mm. I mean it's obviously it, it wasn't shown. I mean like when they're thrown off the balloon. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. and and then um there were there were explosions. It was literally a terrorist attack, and yep. it would be scary to watch as a kid. But as an a like an adult watching it, it would be even more terrifying. You were talking about like the attack on the arena and stuff. It it, it made me like it brought up also that one of my points was that the technology that the equalists had, you know. They had like the gloves, they had the bombs, and they had like the airships and stuff. They had their own mechs and 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 in terms of techno uh, technology, they were so much better than what the uh, the police had equipped and what the uh, United Republic forces had equipped. Also, so it it actually 
it, it kind of reminded me of something. Uh, you remember like in World War II, like the Japanese had like the the zero fighter planes and like they were just their technology was in a way better, uh, than compared to like uh for us it was the British, you know, British planes were slower and stuff. So it, it reminded me of mm-hmm. that like because the Benders had their powers, they saw no need to improve on their arsenal. So like you see on the Iros battleship and stuff, the cannons mm-hmm. were operated. Like the the cannon like projectiles itself were firebender bolts, you know. As compared to like the equalists, they were dropping bombs and they have mines, torpedoes and stuff. So like the equalists had were, were so more were much more technologically advanced than whatever the other benders had, you know. And that I felt like put them at a disadvantage because just because you have bending, it doesn't mean that that like it doesn't mean that you're all powerful anymore, you know. Technology has in a way surpassed bending now. Other kind of fantasy stories, I think you see, like you know, where, where people have magic, they rely on magic too much, and technology doesn't mm-hmm. advance as much as it should be. And and I think and I think it also brings up a good point that like you know, with people that are always accommodating to benders in terms of even basic technology and all that, right? Non-benders are always left behind and things like that. And I think that was that was really like why Amon's movement took off because mm-hmm. they was they were finally given a way to even the playing field, you know. Like, 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 I think mean, even Amon himself said it best that I know with this, like, gauntlet, anyone has the power of a cheap blocker, anyone can fight a bender, you know, and that and that changed things so much. I was, I was thinking that, like, um, you know, that even in terms of like, you know, like people and the idea of bending, right? Like, even like the most popular sport is around bending, you know, like pro bending itself, right? Like, if you are not a bender, you can never be an athlete in this world, in a sense, right? Like, there's no career for you as an athlete. Yeah, you don't know, they may have soccer. <laughs> They may have basketball. This is just not show because it's not relevant to the show. You don't know. <laughs> but, but, but I, I, did, I did find that, that scene so powerful, right? Where Amon took away the bending of the pro-bending champions, right? On the stage of like the pro-bending arena. Because it's like, <laughs> at that time, he's a non-bender, right? So it's like a non-bender standing on this stage in like the championship area for the first time. You know, like I, I think that was like such an such a iconic moment. I think that he was intentionally trying to do to show the people, like, you know, the time of benders is over. Which I think was the intention of the entire attack, right? In yeah, the episode mm-hmm. was was hard hitting. Made me like it makes you really yeah. think. Like maybe he's correct. He's the, his point is to make everything equal, and he's doing it right on the stage where pro benders are showing that they are better than everyone else, and these guys just won, so they are the best pro benders out of everyone else. And now I am over him. There is no everyone is equal because there's no one is the best. Yeah, I wonder. This is I've been like thinking about this this whole episode because like the way I think about mm-hmm. things because obviously I think about it from like a American perspective and I I just made me think I I wonder which like government they were kind of like basing Amon and that whole revolution off because mm-hmm. I was like like which country's government because a little a little bit like to like sidetrack yeah, when I just think of the oh what was the name of the city again i always forget republic city new republic city when they pan like into it i was like okay it looks like hong kong but the buildings remind me of shanghai and taiwan but it's like set during the american revolution so i'm just like i'm very confused at like who they're trying to (laughs) criticize and like who they're pointing at to like kind of clean up their actor yeah, to show to to have the all of humanity encapsulated yeah. in Republic City with all our problems, but our amazing technological advances and 
somehow there will always be some people who feel downtrodden, who want equality, who want who feel powerless and want to build themselves up. Like like I I'm sh- like, I, like for me when I first watched this show, I always thought that like Republic City was sort of an analog for like like New York City kind of thing with like the, the Statue of Aang is like you know the Statue of Liberty kind of kind of thing. But I but I've always felt that like um like I think like what like what Sarah said that the way that the the show's creators have always done it right is that they've always been so good about drawing inspiration but never direct correlation with things. Like for example, like in in uh, in Last Airbender, right? You have the Fire Nation, which are clearly based off Japanese people, right? But when we actually get to the Fire Nation, we realize that it's actually very very different from from feudal Japan, very different in terms of how it's executed and all that. So I think yeah, like I I think the intention was you know to criticize us as a as a modern society you know we always find some way to to oppress each other in some way or form but uh and actually like on, on another note for like like cora like a really really a bit related to like all you know like these iconic moments of war and all that like this may be a, uh, an odd comment to say right but like the production quality of cora is so much higher like cora is a really really good looking show like there are so many like like cinematic moments in cora that are amazing are you saying compared <laughs> to ang or mm. Look, yeah, compared to Angle, like, eventually finale, like, 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 like Cora is cinematic as fuck. Okay, sorry. I think I think all three of you had something to say earlier. I was just responding to your comment that the season two finale was like the most cinematic mm. thing I've seen on a TV show. It reminded me of like the Agni Kai from like um Ooh, the last, yes. which was like my favorite scene of like all animations. But if uh, if Cora was a better fighter, this would have been my favorite <laughs> scene. It was just so beautiful when she like shot back down, and you're just like, "Oh shit, she's not done." <laughs> she's... But then like she's like, "All right, she got hit on the first punch. She's done." But like I don't know, I I just remember watching that Agni Kai scene, and just like the way they did it. So they can make beautiful scenes and beautiful imagery, and yeah. So I agree. I just remember that whole season was just like beautiful. Yes, the music. The, the yeah, blue and the, the orange and like just the imagery <laughs> of it I was like ah oh, man they do, they do such a fantastic job of like storytelling through action you're not even necessarily fighting all the time but even just generally like action and like and on note on note of like storytelling and like visual visual scenery and all that the two episodes of Avatar 1 could have been a fucking season of itself that was immaculate wish it was I wouldn't mind <laughs> I loved that like I love that they, they went back to, like, the first avatar because, like, even with Aang also, the, the only avatar he constantly talked to was Roku. You know, that was his, like, the, the, the most recent past life. And then, he, yeah, he did talk to the past avatars when he was asking, like, what, what to do with uh, Sozin, eh, sorry, not Sozin, Ozai. Ozai and stuff. But he never went back all the way until, like, the first avatar. And, and I actually didn't even think about the first avatar until Korra. Then they were like, oh, yeah, what? How did the first avatar get his powers? You know, and you, you see, it's like a whole process of how he messed everything up, and like this is him trying to fix it life after life after life after life. You know. So I guess the avatars all have and a history I, I of like. Sorry, <laughs> the avatars all have a history yeah. of messing up the world <laughs> and yeah, trying exactly. to fix it. I'm sure they're falling in the first place. Aang messed it up by by like uh, Roku messed it up by not taking any action with Ozai. You know, Aang messed it up because he, he like, ran away. throws himself <laughs> in an ice ball. Yeah. yeah. And then Korra messed it up because when she's Korra, she just messes, <laughs> messes things up all the time. I think that's like a good employment strategy to fix it, but just leave it a little bit broken so they have to call you back. 
to get weight injured, you still have a job. <laughs> oh God, that's so yeah, that's that's so good. Every every time, but I'm so bad. So their next their next life has purpose. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, is, so just so that I still remain relevant in this time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, but yeah, man, like like Avatar one, like the the Avatar writers are some kind of genius storytellers, like. Like they literally created a whole different world for Avatar One, and and again, just like with with like Korra's world with pro bending, it's so detailed, it's so systematic mm-hmm. in how things link to each other, and, and and yet what's what's so cool as well is that it it doesn't even feel like a retcon, right? It doesn't feel like they're like they're changing history. It feels so natural to what we already know about the Avatar, and and also just what one's one's mm-hmm. a, a charismatic dude. He's a very charismatic dude. Yep, but I mean, I mean, it, it was kind of uh it, it was definitely interesting to see like how the first avatar actually didn't have all the elements just at his fingertips like that you know he had to go and collect each element one by one from all the different uh lion cities and lion even then turtle. he needed rava to lion turtle sorry <laughs> and he needed rava to to give him each mm. element one at a time you know he didn't have all of it in one go and like during that final battle and stuff like rava was saying like if i stay if I if I merge with you any longer, I'll kill you. You know, it was so interesting to see. Like, oh, that's that's actually what, what's going on with like one's powers and stuff, and how it's how it's really evolved into the avatars mm. today, where they have like all the elements there at their fingertips. Just because they are reincarnation of human, they mm. managed to pass down Rava's spirit. I thought the idea of mm, yeah. the idea of Rava and mm. Batu was a very cool idea. And and their design was like really cool too. They look like mm-hmm. like cape worms, but in a cool way. <laughs> I was gonna say a kite. Yeah, okay, kite. <laughs> sort of flat. Yeah, a cape worm. <laughs> they look really cool. That was a much better example, kite. <laughs> I thought you would be in awe and in fear of a kite. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but their design was so cool. And then, like, um, it was very Star Wars in a way. The idea of two opposing forces, light and dark, that can never really uh, destroy each other. And there always has to be balance. Again, the idea of balance. I love that it's come back to... Um, it, it, they brought up balance again in, in Korra because they ended... Mm. Ang on like the world has found balance yeah. and I, I, yes. I actually, actually Avatar, thought balance. that like like Vatu and uh, Rava were based on like Yi and Yang. That, that's why even when when you kill Rava, like there's still that little that little white dot in in uh, Vatu. The Probably. show got very dark. Like I was stressed out. Like they Cora lo- lost her bending. Like they killed Light. Like, yeah. like for a kids show, it took it yeah. very far to the point where you're just yeah. like like like. Well, damn. Yes. That's, like, really sad. You were kind of like, oh, no, is this the end of humanity? There's no more hope. There's no more light. There is no more light. Even, like, season one ending, it ended with a double suicide. Yes. No, what the... Oh, yeah. Okay, wait, wait. Uh, Uh, Rock and... uh, and, Rock? Uh, (laughs) No, what Yeah, yeah, no, what Okay, wait, before, before I get into that, I thought, like, even when um, Amon took away her bending, at first, I was going to be like, oh, this is the end of the Avatar, <laughs> that's it. And then, and then mm-hmm. she brought out airbending, which was like, oh, okay. But then I thought she was, I thought she was not going to get the rest of her elements back. I thought it was just the end. Mm-hmm. And 
then the rest of the seasons were probably mm. going to be about her finding the other elements. I don't know. So, but but yeah, it was. There is a lot of like, whoa! You all went there, and it got really really dark. And how are they going to get out of this? Mm. For that moment, you and one dark thing. Yeah, sorry, for that moment, you just feel like mm. hopeless. You know, it's almost hopeless for the characters. <laughs> then lucky they pull themselves out again. Go on, okay, your turn. The mm-hmm. one... Oh no, I was going to say, yes. the one dark thing yeah. that they never brought back was the connection to the previous avatars. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was waiting mm-hmm. for them that to come back. She's the or last like, I guess, was she the last avatar? Yeah. But I, I yeah. But I, I, I really, I really gotta, gotta commend them on that. Like, like it's it's so rare that a kids show like really commits to like you know consequences when it wasn't even the hero's fault really. So it's it's really good to see them to see them do things like that. And I actually just thinking about it, right? Korra never actually beat Amon. Like like Amon ran away because he was exposed, but Korra never actually beat him either. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. beat anyone on her. <laughs> That is, so right. I, that is also true. For someone, that's why I said the first fight scene was so misleading. So, and I was like, okay, I'm okay with her losing, but she could have lost better. Like, I feel like they could have put more, like, back and forth in the fight scenes. There's just, like, her getting a beating, her almost hmm. dying, someone saves her. Yes, yes. Like, uh, yes, uh, there was one on. thing as well. I thought she, she kind of got beat up pretty fast for someone who came out really strong out of the gates. <laughs> Yeah, geez, yeah, for someone who could break through an igloo yeah. at five, it's like here she is now. Yeah, I, I I agree, uh, but but I but I also think like I I suspect oh that's somewhat intentional as well by like the the show's creators. Because one thing I found interesting right is that like um like 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 it feels sort of like at first glance, Cora and Aang were were born into like the wrong generation, right? Like Aang Aang's place is a time of war. It kind of feels like like Korra would have been suitable for that, like you know, like a time of constant conflict. She could just fight whoever she wanted to. Whereas Aang was always more like diplomatic. It feels like he would have done much better in Korra's era when diplomacy was needed. Mm-hmm. But then you actually like look at how the shows go, and then like okay, it makes sense. Like the war would not have ended without a diplomat, right? And peace could not be kept without a warrior kind of thing. So it's also interesting, you know, how they have yeah, that shift. But at the same time, I I think that Korra lost a lot of the time because they I think the shows really wanted to show you that like. You know, compared to compared to what Aang did, right? Or, or maybe not really compared to as a result of what Aang did, right? Aang showed the world how powerful the Avatar can be. That the world stepped up their game. Mm. Mm. But but yeah, admittedly, I, I wish I wish Korra had uh, had had been able to have been able to hold her own a little bit better. <laughs> like 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 when, yeah, like when I when I started rewatching season two, like Leia was telling me about like Korra always losing. So bad. <laughs> can't be true and as i was watching i was like oh shit it's true <laughs> she really doesn't win that much <laughs> like like against the spirits she always loses against uh, <laughs> she's losing all the time it's like sorry uh go again Leah. even against the random street people she lost to like the people with the wands and see then one oh yeah <laughs> just like it, the two street chi blockers i was just like <laughs> all right Oh my like, god. Who, who did it? She lost it. I, I forgot know. about that. Even when she entered pro bending, she was so bad. Yeah, I like, she got her ass kicked like the first time, the, the first round she was in. Yeah. She was like <laughs> one for 25 <laughs> all five seasons. <laughs> oh, man. Man, they've really misled us on how strong Cora actually is. Yeah, maybe it's because. 
because the, the creators, you know, didn't want us to focus on her physical strength. It's a, it was a spiritual journey, guys. It was a spiritual journey. Let's focus on that. That's probably true. Take the physical yeah. journey. Oh, on, 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 another note, on another note of stereotypes, I love yeah. as well how this show, mm. like, breaks stereotype for us who are, who are Legend of Aang fans, and not even just, like, people in the real world, in that, like, all of season one and season two, the villains are waterbenders, which is such an interesting thing to see. Because, yeah, Amon's I'm, I'm, I'm a waterbender, Unalog's a waterbender, and, and what, what else is interesting right, is that, right. like, like Unalog's, yeah. like, like and I was, when I was watching now, like, the last couple of seasons, like, Unalog's, like, a really good waterbender. Like, he's, like, a really talented waterbender. And it's, it's interesting to see as well that, like, you know, you, you have bad guys who are not just, like, like powerful for no reason, but, like, mm. he, he obviously has trained himself to, to do certain things, you know? Like, he was able to hold his, his more, more or less his own against Korra in the Avatar state. Now, with everything we said the past few minutes, I know mm. that's not the greatest claim to fame, but still... <laughs> Yeah, and you know it makes sense when you said earlier how water bending's like Tai mm-hmm. Chi, because like when he was doing like the thing with the spirits to like soothe them, I was like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. totally makes sense when yeah. they would just like okay, wrap okay. them up in a ribbon, and oh. make them happy. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, but can we talk about the double suicide though? It it affected me. <laughs> I felt it when the boat blew out. Wait, no, it the tear ran down the face, and then the explosion. I was kind of. I was, I was stunned for life, and then I was like, oh. Can we call it a suicide murder? I don't think Iman wanted to die. Yeah, it's suicide murder. <laughs> like, as I was watching, like, like, I, like, one of them said this, this term, that Amon was like a psychic bloodbender, and I was like, what do you mean by a psychic bloodbender? It was like one throwaway comment. And then I went to watch bit by bit, right? And then um, at, at some point, like, um, I can't even remember the councilman's name right now, but like, the councilman tells Cora, right? That you can't fight Amon because he uses his bloodbending to know what you're gonna do next. He uses his bloodbending to, to make sure that like that, you know he knows where your attacks are coming from, so you can always dodge it. So that means, right, if he uses bloodbending to know how people are moving, he knows that his brother was gonna kill him. That's why he was crying. Yeah, because I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I assume he was crying because know, he knew know, that he was gonna die. But still. <clears throat> I, I thought he was because he was like just reminiscing of mm. like the good old days like when they were kids before all the training and shit started, you know? <laughs> and then that's why I thought like he was crying because like he's remembering that and then I was like, dude, now you... Re- why? No, why would yeah. he cry because of that? Mm-hmm. I mean... I mean, because like he was, he was talking about now it can just be the two of us, like the good old days, you know? And he's like remembering the good old days before things got dark for him and his brother, you know? Just I thought he was crying about. You know, if, you know, if I, if I had to go a level deeper, right, I think the reason that his brother killed them both, right, was because I think, like, like, his, like when, when, he, when he was captured I and mean, Korra was talking to him, right, like, like, he made a comment that, like, you know, like, in the end, both the sons of Yakon tried to try to take over Republic City. So I think in a way, right, he might have even done it because, because at that point, he was just so resigned with life. He saw them both, his brother and himself, as inherently bad people that could not be saved. And like, oh, it's, it's so much, it's so much worse if that's the case. I'm not sure about yeah. that because I feel that, like, you know, Noah Tuck didn't really want to do the blood bending thing. Like, mm-hmm. when they were, even when they were kids, he was kind of like, you know, I don't want to do this, it's hurting them. Yeah. And then Amon also kind of saw that, right? I mean, he was more into it, but he, he didn't want to hurt his brother as well. Or did he? I cannot remember mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> No, no, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. He He didn't, right? He pulled back. So I feel like he he knew that there was a choice, but he he still, like, chose to, like, see bending as bad in general. But I don't think it was because he thought of himself as Yakon's son. 
I still feel he was a bit yeah. individual. If not, he was just follow what his dad said. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. On on on. So speaking of no, of like dark stuff, like double suicide, right? Like, I I can't like watching it back. I mean, I I, I remember it happened, but it's still shocking to see it. Like he literally had like the airbending family, like even the kids, like 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 strapped up to poles, about to take their bending away. Like that was yeah. just such a dark yeah. visual. Yeah, and I was I kept wondering like how did they get captured? I thought Lin would like sacrifice herself to make sure they got away, and I was thinking, wait, they got captured anyway. So I was like wondering how. Because they were definitely ahead of the airships at that time. I don't remember that. And there are sometimes they. Oh, uh, there are sometimes it looks like Tin then, and even the kids would airbend like really well. And then mm-hmm. even when like um, the Tenzin's sister, I I always forget her Kaya. name. Kaya. When she lost, I was like Kaya. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're like daughter of Katara. Like, aren't you supposed mm-hmm. to be like? I don't know. Maybe the technology mm-hmm. was just too much for them. Maybe so, I'm not so giving I, them a yeah. benefit of the, the doubt enough. They, they, they actually they actually answered that one a little bit. Like uh, I I think they mentioned that like um I think in season three I mentioned it that that, that like like Kaya was like different from Katara because she focuses she focused on being a healer, and like um like they talked a lot about like Kaya like traveling the world is like like um like like a grad student on an on eternal gap year kind of thing, and and uh. And what was interesting as well was when I was watching it back, I realized that when they were in that that soul of like like the 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 fog of lost lost souls kind of thing, right? Like Boomy and Kaya started to have nightmares of, the, of like their worst their worst nightmares. And Boomy's nightmare was like being surrounded. He was like, they like like they're surrounding me. I gotta get out of here, right? Whereas Kaya's nightmare, mm-hmm. right, was like 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 Tenzin was like shaking Kaya, saying, "No, I'm your brother." And then Kaya responds, "You mm-hmm. know, my brother, you're not gonna tie me down." Then she untied herself and ran away. So, yeah, she she's got some next level fear of commitment kind of thing. Cause yeah, she wasn't married. Actually, neither of them were. Yeah, although although I do remember, like in the comics, they revealed in the end that like uh, and uh, that Kaya was uh, was a lesbian as well. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In the comics, yeah. yeah. In the comics that they showed. Korra comics. Because she figured Korra comics. Yeah, yeah, in the Korra comics. Because afterwards, she figured out that uh, Korra and Asami were dating. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I need to go buy those comics. And then. Yep. <laughs> I know. I didn't know there was more. I, all right, I gotta look into that. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like there's there's I think I think there's two now, right, Rauf? There's there's the I know, I gotta go check them out. But I remember, uh, I remember one, one different one, stories. Yeah. yeah. One fun thing though that they came about from the comics, right? Is that now that like Legend of Korra is getting like uh, more attention, like you know again and like rewatches and all that. So you're getting like a whole new mm-hmm. influx of fan art. So what's really fun, right? Is that like like when the when the Aang fan art came out, right? Like back in the day, people always arguing that you know should Katara end up with Aang or Zuko. Then come to the modern age. They, they come to the modern age, and all the fan art is of Zuko and Sokka. And then now, likewise, you come to the modern age with yeah. Korra. And then, likewise, you come to the modern age with Korra now, right? And like back then, the fan art was all Korra and Asami, right? Now the fan art is all um, is all Kaya and Lin. Yeah, you see, okay. you're talking about that Sokka and Zuko fan art. I was like, that day I saw it, I was like, wait, was this a thing? Like, how did I not know this? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, dude, fan fan oh. is so awesome. It's so fun to go on that rabbit hole. Awesome, man. Yeah. If I'm not wrong, there's oh, a new. But, but yeah. They they announced a new trilogy of Korra comics. Is it? Did they? They're gonna they're gonna make a live uh, Avatar show for Netflix. They, they are, and but like it's it's going it's going to pieces. Like like at first the original creators were were, yeah. were assigned to it, but like I think uh, a month ago they they announced on Twitter that they they they're no longer working on the project anymore. But Netflix is still going hopeful. ahead with it. Yeah. 
No. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm going it on it based on like the, the last Avenger movie, the live action movie that we saw. I was like, Ugh. Now it's not speak of that. <laughs> I can, I, can, I, can only, I can only hope, right, that Netflix has now made the smart decision to not make it about Aang. So long as they make it about any other avatar that's not, that's not an avatar we've seen in the series so far, they have a chance of redemption. But if they try and, they, they try and redo one of the current stories and they add their own elements to it, it's not going to go well. I mean, uh-huh. which avatar would you like to see it be? I'm just thinking. I think... Oh, oh. I actually think Avatar Kurok would be interesting. The, the previous Waterbender. Because, because like, okay. uh, yeah, because, because, because the, 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 the one that died young, yes, the one yeah, died because young. the thing is that, like, like, mm, oh, because, the, because the, the show portrays him right, and even he says himself in the show that, like, that he didn't put enough time to his earthly duties, and then you know, like, his his beloved was taken away by Cole the face dealer, right? But, um, but apparently, like, the, the Ang comics have expanded more upon this, and what happened to Kurok was that the previous avatar before him, the previous airbender, right, had neglected her spiritual duties, so when Kurok was born. The, the human world was okay, but the spirit world was, was, really, was in a really bad state. And he was apparently cursed, as, he was cursed by a spirit when he was young, and that's why he died young. But, but before he died, he, he managed to, to set, set the spirit world right before he died so that the next Avatar would have a, uh, Kyoshi would have an okay time. But like, I think that'd be really interesting to see his side of it, because like, like, as far as I'm aware, he's like the only Avatar that I know of that really had to like, spend most of his time in the spirit world. And I, and I think I'd like to see more of the spirit world if they, they did a show about it. I think that'd be cool. Oh, sorry. I think it would just be cool to have like a one season different avatar. Just explore. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Yangshen, Kiyoshi, Kuro. I feel like we've heard enough. I think Kiyoshi would be seen. I read the Kiyoshi comics. Yeah, enough for Roku. Enough for Roku. Period. Yeah. For you guys, Leah and Rauf, if they did a series with a different avatar, who would you want to see? Oof. I like Kyoshi. I don't hmm. know. I just yeah, I would like to see more Kyoshi also, because they... oh, go ahead. Mm, yeah, because like in in Legend of Aang, like Kyoshi was referenced quite a lot also. Actually, also uh, besides Roku, you know. And so like I was thinking, yeah, Kyoshi would have been would be interesting to see her journey as well, because like as we know, she was fighting a a conqueror also at, during that time. You know, so you could see like her journey of how she like. Slowly, is it like Aang's journey? Like they slowly had to do like all the little little fights, and then go straight to the boss fight afterwards. Mm. It would be interesting to see that journey also. Or or and I oh sorry, you go first. You go first. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead, no, go I'm ahead. Moving go ahead. on to another tangent. You go ahead first. Okay, I was gonna say I remember like they didn't we didn't get a lot of her talking, but the one time when Aang like called on her ca- council, all the avatars mm. were just like, yeah, we I removed them. I had to deal with them. She's like, yeah, I killed him. I'm like I killed him dead. Yeah, I just straight up murdered them. She's like, okay, go away. <laughs> They're just like, the other one's like, I was conflicted, but for the good of the people. She's just like, nah, I took him out. <laughs> Done. Yeah, Kiyoshi was just yep, straight yep. up. They didn't do it my way, I murdered them. <laughs> like, yeah, yep. go girl. Yep. Oh no, I was gonna say, um, it'll be really cool to see, like, Avatar number two, like after one, one, the oh, first one, yeah. and then yeah. because he kind of knew what he was doing and how he got into it, Avatar number two would be like, uh, <laughs> what's happening? How come I can throw? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah how come I can yeah. throw fire? Yeah, yeah, because... How come water is listening to me? Yeah. yeah, that's a good point because at that point in time, no one knows that Avatar can reincarnate. Maybe Rava would have yeah. explained it to him. I don't know. 
Well, wait, but that's the thing. That's because like we don't know when Rava stopped talking, right? Because yeah. Rava never talked to Aang. Rava never talked to Korra yeah. until like you know it became relevant. Like, yeah. So <laughs> Avatar number two, the clueless, the most clueless one of all. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That's true. That'd be interesting to see. Oh, wait, can I ask you about the comics? What's the name of the comics that y'all read? Is it Ru- Turf Wars? Turf Wars is the first one. Turf Wars is directly after... Turf Wars literally takes place five minutes after Korra ends. It quite literally takes place five minutes okay. after. And then yeah. there is Ruins of the Empire. That's That one's after. I haven't read that one yet. Okay, there's no... Wait, Jahan, you haven't read that one? I haven't. That, that, that one's got Kuvira, right? Yeah, that's got Kuvira in Yeah, it. I see her on the cover. Yeah, haven't yet. You know, you know Kuvira. Yeah, is, a good you know, you know who Kuvira is voiced by. No, he she is voiced by Zelda Williams, who is the daughter of Robin Williams. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Interesting. Did you guys know Serena Williams was one of the voices yeah, 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 in yeah, the yeah. Avatar: yes, The Last yes, Airbender? Yes, fine, ancient god, right? <laughs> Right, no, yeah, I just found that out, like, this year my brother told me, and I was like, oh. That's so cool. <laughs> I can't, like, apparently she was such a big fan of the show, that they needed, that they needed to put her in, and then they made her a nice lady, so that's cool. Yeah, they, they, mm-hmm. they made her the, she was the guard that was guarding Iroh. Yes. She was nice to Iroh. The other guard was like, oh, yeah, he's gonna have it coming into <laughs> you. No, okay, let's let's go let's go to like another another aspect about Korra, Korra, uh, Legend of Korra. Right? This one's like specific to Korra as a character. Like Korra as a character goes through so much more shit than Aang. Like she legitimately has like PTSD, depression, and a whole bunch of other psychiatric conditions by the time the show is over. And and the, and, the, and the thing is, right? She does like in season one, right? You see, like she's got like a genuine like fear of Amon, you know, to the point of like delaying facing mm-hmm. off with him. And in like um like season two as well, like like you see her dealing with like all those feelings of like survivor's guilt or feeling and all that. And like there's that whole psychological element of being the avatar that you see with her that you only see touched on with Aang. Well, to be fair, he had those nice nightmares about the math test and the giant Ozai. <laughs> and, that was one episode. Kokoro had like two seasons. And like not wearing pants <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> but he but he was stressed about it. I think I think but Korra was more like adult levels of stress like more real mm. more modern stress yeah, yeah. More modern stress. you know chorus like like like, yeah. like, our, like our level of fear <laughs> yeah 2020 fear okay wait um, um, before we go back to Cora, how much do y'all pay for your comics or oh, y'all just read it like digitally no i i actually like I actually quite literally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how much are they? How much do you buy them for? Because I'm seeing like. Yeah. You know, you know the, the, the stupid thing is, right? I know I have all three, but I lost the first one, so I need to go and buy the first one again. Uh, I, oh. I, I ordered them off Amazon when they, were, when they were released. I think I paid like 15, 20 for a comic, something like that. Between 15 to 20? For a comic, yeah, but it should be cheaper now. That was like four or five years ago, three, four years ago. It's not. or USD. How much is it now? I'm seeing. Okay, this is really weird. Part one is eighteen dollars. Part two is fifteen dollars. Part three is sixteen dollars. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, but it's yeah, weird. correct. I, I paid about that. <laughs> okay, lah. <laughs> okay, time to order stuff. And then we're gonna get them too. Yeah. <laughs> My roommate hates 
Avatar, so I think that's oh, gonna be her Christmas God. present. Oh. I know, guys. She's from Texas. She's from a wild place. <laughs> guys, he's from she's Texas. Not. That's it. Guys. When you think of from Texas, and like that's we all make fun of her. That's like the only ex- you think of like Rangers shootouts. Anything <laughs> from like westerns, yeah. But I think I'm gonna get her all the comics for Christmas as like a troll gift. <laughs> And then the best part is when she doesn't want it, you get to keep it. Yes, yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, I thought you liked them. No, I'll have it. I'll take them off their heads for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't worry. Uh, okay, let's okay, let's let's, let's get back to it. Let's chat about a couple more things, okay. and then like we'll just we'll finish up the episode. So okay, okay, so we've covered lots of interesting stuff. We've covered the characters. We've covered world building. We've covered like you know some of the interesting production about it, and like you know how it goes into deeper deeper and darker themes and all that. So one thing we haven't really gone on so much too, right, is about like uh, the differences it is, the differences Korra has with the uh, Legend of Aang. Because Korra is a very different from Legend of Aang. You know, like apart from the, the art style and perhaps the, the humor and the writing, right, I find like it's, it's really a vastly, it, it almost feels like a different genre to me. Like, like Korra season one, could, I would consider it a thriller. Like, like there's this whole buildup of like, you know, fear towards an enemy. You know, tension and all that. Like, like those are things that, that Aang never had as a series. And even in season two, like, the show co- continues that sort of, you know, new genre of, like, like a thriller. Although I was, I was telling um, uh, Rauf just before this podcast started recording that I don't know what the hell, like, Marco Bullet and, like, Asami were up to, like, in season two. Like, like the whole thing with them in Republic City feels like, like, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's pointless. Like, they spent so many episodes there, and all they had was a plane that they, that they used in the final episode. But I digress. Yeah. I digress. But, yeah, Korra is uh, it's interesting in that it's written different from Aang, in that it's written for a different age group, you know? It's written as a different genre of show. You know, it's written for, for a, a, a more intelligent audience and things like that, you know? And I think, I think Aang is always going to be, like, that gold standard of animation, and I think, like, you know, Korra sometimes, like, Legend of Korra is a show sometimes gets put down because of that. But re-watching it now again, right, like, I think, like, I can't remember which one of you said it, but I agree. I, I really do think Korra is a better show than Legend of Aang. Like, you know, it, it takes a lot more risks than Legend of Aang, and it manages to pull them off most of the time. I think the plot is deeper, too. Mm. For each, I think season two was the darkest, because it's, like, dealing with the spirits yeah. and, like, the soul of humanity. Mm. But I mean, the fire. Um, last Airbender was like a very not simple plot. It's just like Lord. Uh, I'm forgetting it was, everyone's it was name. Generic, yeah. Yeah, it was just like the fire lord at the back. I I need to stop him. And then mm. that's what he spent his years doing. But this plot, it was just like battling against equality, or like not wanting to be on the wrong side of equality, and like mm-hmm. which is really fake equality. And then it's, like, battling with, like, your spirit and, like, your inner self. And what was season three? It was... The Red Lotus. Anarchy. Yeah, anarchy. Yeah, that's the thing. I think, yeah, and, and, and then season four was, um... Season four was basically... You went back full circle to a dictator. Dictatorship, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was yeah. establishing order. And yeah, like, yeah, I actually just realized how scary, actually, season two was. Like, the introduction of the spirit itself. Yeah. Like, the first spirit... That you, you like Korra saw and stuff like in the snow and stuff. That was actually scary. Now I now I think about it. Actually, yeah, it's like the first time you see something 
that can't be defeated with bending. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I think yeah, I think even I think it was the same in Legend of Aang as well. That like, actually, yeah, you know, now that you mention it, the whole concept of you enter the spirit world, you can't bend. That's terrifying for a non-bender to be put into a position like that. But yet, Unala can go in yeah. and bend, so it's even. Scarier. Oh, but that's because he went. In bit... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Now they point out that way. Yeah, now they point out that way. That's true. And, and and actually, mm-hmm. even even the visuals of Unalog, like like when Unalog merged with uh with Vatu, right? And then he had that moment where like he was ripping out Rava. It was like literally tentacles coming out of his mouth that ripped out Rava. It's like oh nightmare fuel. And it looked like a demon when he like with that massive dark mm. spirit. I, I, like the the yes. dark avatar was completely scary. Like like imagine some someone just fueled with all the power of the avatar, but. Just intent on doing, yeah, to intent on doing evil. Version. Like, it was like, how are you gonna defeat this guy? And you are like mm-hmm. lying on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if I was Cora, I'd be like, I'm just gonna play yeah, dead for a little longer. My friends are gonna take care of it. <laughs> See what they can work out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm now. Yeah. Anyone? <laughs> it's like it's like you play Among Us. The the O2 First goes off. Point. Oh, it's okay. I'll do my task. You all handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, I, I never actually really stopped to think about it. But yeah, season two went really, really dark very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. And I, I never understood how she, um, Tinzan's oldest daughter, helped Korra. Mm. Like when she's like, I have to go. And then she just appeared at the right time. But I never got, maybe I need to rewatch it, what she did that helped her. Because Korra was already large at that point. I guess maybe oh, yeah. we, we were kind of supposed to suspend our belief and just believe Tenzin because he was so well-read in his preparation to be Korra's. Oh, yeah, that's part. true. Yeah. <laughs> He's so well-read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and actually, and actually think, thinking back as well to like for, for season two's ending, like I, I remember when I first watched it, right? Because when Korra first came out, I was following it like episode by episode, week to week. Mm. And and when the and when the finale came around and like Korra decided to leave the spirit portals open, like back then me as a kid, night like you know wait and I knew I had to wait like one year, another one year for a season. I was like just shocked. I was shocked that Korra had decided to leave the portals open because I think that's I think that is the single biggest change we've seen to the Avatar universe that's ever been done. Probably yeah. Mm-hmm. And did it work out for the best? And Go it's on. strange. Oh no, it's strange that Aang didn't do that. Because Korra was so resistant to the spirit world. And even in season three, like, she could get it now. It's all coming back to me, season three. Sorry. I actually like that season. She could get into it, but she was never good at it. Like, she never had, like, a passion mm. for it. So the fact mm. that she's like, yeah, I'll just leave it yeah, open. I agree. Oh, I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's just that Aang didn't know, I think. Like, I mean, Korra didn't know either until it became relevant. Like... Actually, like one one thing I wish we'd seen more of in like season three and season four is I wish we'd seen more of like like Rava Rava talking to Korra and like you know like being a replacement of a loss of the avatars. Yeah. But we don't really see it that much. Yeah, I was just quite disappointed with that too. Because I, I would find like it, it's, it's, it would be such an interesting uh, interaction between Rava and the different lives of the avatar, uh, different lives of the avatars, mm-hmm. you know. Like, each avatar have their own personality and stuff. And then this is Rava interacting with each and every one of them, each and every one of the re- reincarnations. I thought it would have been such an interesting uh, development, but 
after season two, and I think we only heard Rava speak up one more time in yeah. season four, and I then that so. was it. I wish at least there'd been some kind of like acknowledgement. Like it would have been cool if like at that, from that point forward, whenever Korra goes to the Avatar stage, you still you see like the like the Brava Brava pattern on it. That would have been cool as well. Just some kind of acknowledgement, you know, she's reconnected. Mm, yeah. Mm. But, but uh, alas, it is what it is. It is what it is. That was a that was a good look for Korra, like having the, the Rava. Yeah. Would you say tattoo? Yeah, that Rava tattoo like on yeah. her and stuff. Actually, Speak, speaking of looks, cool like I, I love the aesthetic of like clothes in Korra. It's so cool to look at. Like, like, like Korra's outfit is awesome, and like everyone in Republic City, like, it's so it's so interesting to see how like you know you have all these traditional like water tribe and all their outfits and all, and how it translates to, to like the modern world and, and like how they show their their culture and all that. It's really interesting how that change happens, and especially Ve- oh, let's talk about Varric. <laughs> let's talk about the <laughs> when he goes to pro then Varric is like the best character like like he he's a he's like he's a bastard but you can't hate him he's a likable bastard <laughs> so cool. oh my god I, I was like watching like season uh when we were like watching season two again i realized actually Varric didn't say do the thing as much in season two, you know, he only started picking up in like season three onwards. But in season two, he was like, there were only occasion, uh, certain occasions where he said, do the thing. But if not, he was actually telling Julie yeah. what to do, you know, like get get the cakes and stuff, like the very cakes and stuff, you know. Yeah, but I, I was glad like they, they changed it into do the thing, do the thing, you know, just that thing, you know. It was such yeah, a like cool, he it was such a fun, he immediately fun assumes that she knows what he, what he wants her to do, and she does. <laughs> Superpower. <laughs> oh no, I was gonna say he was actually a really influential yeah. character with the whole mover and the proper propaganda. I just completely yeah. forgot about that because this show had so many levels and just like how like he made Bolin to be like the waterbender and to, to try to convince the people yeah. that like a civil war was yeah. bad. Like, like I actually forgot about it, but like on rewatch, like Varric's actually a pretty smart and strategic guy, honestly. That's how he got rich, probably. Yep. I like the fact as well, though, is that like he's from the South Pole. Like, it's 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 nice to see like from from the time of Aang how much the South Pole has rebuilt themselves. You know, yeah. in terms of like like geographically how they mm. rebuilt themselves, there's a whole new population, and like they've got their own influential people, like Varric, like the top, the top businessman in the world is from the South Pole. Well, debatably, the top businessman in the world. Mm. He's got some sketchy practices, but yes. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, it's. Yeah, Varric. I I don't know, man. Like like Varric sort of feels a little bit like Jack Sparrow in the sense you never know what he's gonna do, but you know it's gonna be memorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's even good. as I'm watching like 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 the last episode where like Varric gets jailed, right? They go visit him in jail, and he's in, like a luxury jail, and he tells them, you know, like like he tells he tells Team Ayota, like you know, Varric Industries built this jail, and I had this cell specifically prepared because I thought I might end up here one day. It's like what the hell? <laughs> 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 and then he was in there with him. I like, love it. Wait, your assistant <laughs> is in prison with you? Yeah, I don't go anywhere without <laughs> Like, even when he was hiding inside the platypus bird, then Julie is somewhere in there with him. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Julie's so cute. And then she's like, 
and, and, and I, I absolutely love that moment that they're trying to sneak out of the South Pole, and then Varys like, "No, Julie, do the thing," and the platypus bear just like like poops money, and then like everyone like like the platypus bear is pooping money, and it just swarms everyone. It's so good. Yeah. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but Varys such a wild card. I'm so glad they kept him around for like season three and season four. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, there was almost no reason for the creators to include him, but they did, and it was a good move. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about him more. He was the light. Oh no, he just created the lighthearted moments. Him and like Bowen, and when they were working together, because everyone else Mm. was just like pretty Mm -hmm. dark. And (laughs) there's. Bolin, Bolin and Varric have such good chemistry. Even, even even the first time they meet, like like Bolin's like 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 that guy's not floating, and then and then Varric is like, why didn't anyone tell me? Now I look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I agree. Yeah. But I, I do I do wish that Bolin was a little bit less like Sokka though, because because I felt that, that 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 got old pretty quickly after a while. No, I'm just thinking thinking back like Bolin's humor. I feel like in one and two. Maybe in season three and four, mm. he's. I remember in season three he was fan fanboying quite a bit. Season three and four he yeah. was fanboying quite a, a quite a bit, meeting Toph and Zuko and stuff. And that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I haven't watched season like four, so I uh, do not know what bullying was. Wait, you never watched season four? I haven't rewatched season four, so I don't remember. Oh. I don't remember. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'll okay. It's fine. But I. No, no, um, but I, but I, (laughs) the feeling I get from Bolin is different from Sokka in that Sokka is trying, like he's using humor. There is humor, but he's using the humor to cover up how much he needs to prove himself as a person and to be mature. But Bolin's energy Mm -hmm. is like that is just him, and he's just like a golden retriever. Bolin Bolin is the chipmunk with ADHD. Sure, (laughs) but a more good-natured chipmunk who just wants to make everybody happy and wants everyone to get along. And he's not so much proving himself as he just wants to help everyone. And just sometimes he's funny because because this is here. He's just super happy. Yeah, he just just comes out there. He's just super genuine. I think I think yeah, I think you got a good point. I think maybe the re- the reason I keep thinking that is just just because like you know it's like he's he's a brother he's he's also got the animal that he's close to and things like that. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. speak to that, Rahul. I I remember you were you were completely like like uh in uh enamored with uh with Pabu and Fire Ferret. Yeah, Pabu is so cute, man. And it's like the fact that Bolin can just like you know talk to Pabu and then Pabu like okay yeah I'll bite the rope. You know? <laughs> I wish so I uh, but I do wish oh. the fire ferris could actually breathe fire. That'd be cool. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 Well, maybe they're fireproof. We don't know. We don't know. That's why we got the name. For 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 me, as much as I find Pablo is cute, like for me, it's like it's like Naga all the way. Like the idea of a dog you can hug, you can ride, you can use as a bed is awesome. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. Okay. I think we've been going for about an hour and a half. So I think we can we can call it here because I think like any other discussion starts to go into like Korra season three and season four. So any 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 kind of like anything closing you guys want to bring up? Any interesting points or whatever? I can't wait to talk about season three <laughs> and four. <laughs> yeah, honestly, season three, I think season, yeah, season three I think was my favorite. 
And but I haven't okay. watched, I haven't watched season four, so I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Plenty of time. Yeah, okay. Well, okay. For my for my listeners, uh, once again, that's how I usually close the podcast. Thank you for listening. I don't know how you found this podcast, but I'm grateful that you did. I hope you liked what you heard. So I've started a new job now, so my podcast schedule is going to be extremely erratic. But who cares? I do this for fun. I'm not obligated to any kind of any kind of schedule. So listener, if you like it, bear with that. Uh, I think I think it's pretty safe to say I think we all want to talk about Korra season three and season four. So I think we're going to be back for that. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Um, I think that's it for me. Thank you all. Yeah, if you guys like this, to sign off as well. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> all right. Thanks for staying up late, guys. <laughs> oh wait, 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 wait! I gotta do this. I gotta say this. Bye. Ooh. What? <laughs> just, just cut it out of the podcast. Nobody wants to hear that. Okay, just cut it out. No, 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 no. Now that he's done that, that's got to stay in. Like this, this whole conversation has got to stay in now. Well, okay, let's close it. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>